Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. But for our radio audience tuning in in Mississippi at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all could be with us. Also, tuning in through online affiliates around the world, we're glad that you all could join us as well. This is really part of our News You Can Use segment here at WYAD. It's a powerful new book I had a chance to read that's already an Amazon bestseller, and I think you guys will see in this conversation why. And it has to do not only with uh, the justice system, but also especially young people and the poor, and the role that they're playing today, especially when it comes to um, to free labor. The book is called Injustice, Inc. It's written by Daniel L. Hatcher. The uh, subtitle of the book is How America's Justice System Commodifies Children and the Poor. I want to talk to Daniel about the incredible research he was able to do for this book, but also the look that he was able to have at how children and the poor are being used by the criminal justice system, things that we probably see every day. I know I was thinking about it when I was uh, leaving my mother's doctor's appointment today, uh, seeing young people uh, actually out um, that were inmates picking up trash, things that we see that a lot of times we don't really think about when it comes to the roles, of course, that our justice system plays in lives, but also the impact it has as well. If you guys are just now finding out about the book, we'll let you know how to get your own copy of it. But, Daniel, thank you again for the time. Really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. Hello, Cyrus. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and thank you for that introduction. Well, the pleasure is definitely on mine. Daniel, I, I do think, and I, well, let me speak for myself personally. My, my audience knows I never try to put people in boxes. I can just speak for myself. I, going into this book, when the first when the book was first pitched to me, I, I was interested in the topic. I had, but I felt separated from it in some respect um, because a lot of times when we're talking about the justice system and the things, unless we absolutely know someone who's impacted by it. We don't really think about it. But what you really share in this book, I feel like, and I'm curious as to your thoughts about this, is that anyone who takes the time to read the book will see how this impacts all of us. It impacts our communities. It it, it definitely impacts the opportunities that young people may have, but also um, why it is so serious that we look at children, especially in these poor communities, uh, is how sometimes they may be targeted for this. What has that been like for you to have those kind of conversations already, Daniel? Well, I, I think those are excellent comments, and, and I agree. Um, we're all interconnected, right? You know, and whether we like it or not, you know, we're all interconnected and interdependent, both both on each other and and uh, the the government um, agencies and justice institutions that are supposed to be serving us. Um, and these practices that I uncover in the book, um, like you indicate, they they. Um, are either impacting us directly or they're impacting individuals that we know. Um, and it's also having a, a very harmful impact on the justice systems as a whole, right? When we see our justice systems shift in their mission from aiming for that pure ideal of equal of impartial justice, instead shifting to run like a business and pursuing revenue from us, we all are harmed. Our, our societies are harmed. Our cities are harmed. Um, it's, it, it takes away, you know, really the, one of the key underpinnings on which this government, this country is founded, which is the independence of our judiciary. So it's, it's also, as you described, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to do the research in this book and, and to realize how many people 
are impacted. And, you know, in doing the research, you, you read a lot of numbers, right? And, and it's so easy to forget. Like, like you mentioned, you know, like sometimes if something isn't impacting us directly, um, right. do we really understand it? Does, do we feel it? But, and it's easy to get numb to the numbers if, if we're not careful when we read a report or, or data. But, but every number is a child, right? Every data point. Um, as, as a child, and every child has a story, and, and we need to do better. And Daniel, I think too, and, and not to politicize this, but I think again in reading the book, and I definitely encourage anyone to actually take the time to read it because I think that's the big thing. There's so many eye-opening things, and it's so interesting for me. And again, I'll ask you, I'll um, kind of defer to you on on this, Daniel, because you wrote the book. This conversation, I think, applies to how many people look at what's happening when it comes to the issue of immigration. I mean, we see in the news this week, you know, how this one meat plant, you know, was found to be, you know, using children in it. Um, they were undocumented, and the, the business, of course, of that. But you talk about also, even in the title of the book, Injustice, Inc., it's interesting the chapter policing and profiting from the poor. You said something I want to actually read and, and have us talk about it in conversation with this point. You say this, mission matters. When public justice officials deviate from serving the common good, we have the potential to expose their failings in the hopes of truing their past. If justice becomes an LLC, the potential for true mission can be lost. And you say that after talking about especially private police and the roles that they play and the concerns coming when it comes to accountability and transparency. What has that been like for you to see how these issues do seem to be interconnected? Again, going to that point of how it does impact us all, but also the impact especially on the poor and young people. Right. Absolutely. And and um, it's so challenging at times to, to um, again, read, read through the data and engage in this research um, and remember, you know, like, like these, these agencies, when it's the government agencies uh, and, the, and the justice institutions, they're supposed to be serving us, right? You know, like they don't exist to make a profit. So my concern in that chapter, you know, is, is both with the growth of privatization um, and both, you know, the policing agencies, as you indicate, you see even more with dealing with detention facilities and, and prisons. Um, and I'm very much concerned if you have a government function that's contracted out like that, because then you might not be able to hold them accountable, even more accountable than the challenges that we have now, right? I mean, we see story after story across the country of, of the challenges of um, potential corruption and, and, and stories of of harm and um, lack of accountability by, by various policing agencies, um, if those agencies become shrouded by privatization, right, when we don't even have then the ability of Public Records Act requests, right, when their actions might not lead to liability for the government actors that hire them, um, the concern can, can even grow further. Um, but what I'm also seeing here, it's, it's a sort of a distorted form of capitalism right you know not just you know the, the the collaboration between the government agencies and justice institutions with with private companies private actors it's increasingly those um, government agencies and justice institutions acting like the private actors it's like they're 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 taking on that mindset they're they're again they're running more like a factory business than institutions of justice and, and really like with the research it it feels like that when you're uncovering um, these facts and the data and the, and the revenue 
mechanisms. It's it's like children and vulnerable adults are, are on a conveyor belt, right? And and yeah. um, you know, sort of an assembly line, but but more of the reverse, like a disassembly line. You know, like you have already struggling individuals, children and the poor, who are deconstructed for every possible penny. Daniel, I'm not a cynical person, but I do want to ask you again as it relates to this topic in the book and the research, and you mentioned it now a couple of times that we can be overwhelmed by it. Is that also part of the hope of those involved in this, that it is so overwhelming we just take their word for it, what they say they're doing and the reason for it, and we think, oh, it's a good thing because you know you're getting these people off the street, and you're you're doing this and you're doing that. Do you think that's that's part of the design of this in some parts that that we we are so consumed, quite frankly, with our own lives that we don't actually think again if we don't feel connected to it, we don't really take the time to even think about it. Yes, I, I think that's unfortunately accurate, um, and um, so much has been growing um, in these practices over time and and also um through modernization right you know uh, you know as you know now we see the growth of artificial intelligence the use of algorithms as, as yet another tool to see even further the impact of of commodification um of both of both children and the poor and and that automation can further um the disconnectedness right you know like it, again it's like it's, it's sort of a just a um a factory business and even the you know sometimes the agencies that are doing this they for, can forget they lose their way they, they 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 forget why they exist you know again to, to serve us with justice right not to use us for revenue and and um i think it's an important point and i i i do have hope Right. You know, I, I yeah. think um, the challenges are real, you know, like, you know, and, and, and again, adding to this um, disconnectedness, as you describe, um, many of the practices are, are happening in the dark. Um, some, you know, literally almost, you know, with uh, like many of the juvenile court proceedings, juvenile probation, many of these are in confidential systems. Right. So they're shrouded in confidentiality, making it even harder to uncover the practices. Point, which is why I'm so glad we have conversations like you, uh, like uh, like this, and individuals like yourself bringing attention to this. And we're going to talk more about that. Is this a response you expected? Because a lot of times when you're pressing buttons like this, Daniel, as you know, people are not always kind. So we're going to talk about the response. But I want to say for those who are just tuning in, either on the radio side or online, you're listening to Conversations Live. We're excited to welcome Daniel L. Hatcher to our program today. Daniel is the author of the new book, Injustice, Inc., already an Amazon bestseller, How America's Justice System Commodifies Children and the Poor. We're going to remind you, you can get your own copy of the book as well as stay connected with Daniel. So, Daniel, let's talk about that because, again, even though the information is researched, uh, you have these real examples. The The truth of the matter is a lot of people don't like truth, especially when it exposes things about them. So have you been surprised pleasantly by how willing people are to have this conversation? Well, yes and no. I, I, I like that question. Um, I'm, um, I'm hopeful in the interest and in, in, um, individuals that I speak with, um, whether um, you know directly impacted or – policymakers um, and, and the like. Um, but I also have seen, and you know, through my research and, and advocacy efforts, pushback by um, agency leaders. Um, again, like you indicate, you know, it's it's hard to look at yourself 
truthfully in the mirror sometimes yeah. and and especially hard by by some of our agencies um but that's that's crucial you know you know we have to start with with you know realigning our own you know those of us working in the justice systems it falls to all of us you know i i also write about in the book like you know um institutions of justice like we tend to dehumanize um these these services and you know the you know courts you know justice systems they're not built of materials of, of marble and brick they're built of the human beings within right and and if and if we're not giving real meaning to the words of justice you know if we're not giving real meaning to the words in the constitution then then the meeting disappears right and and that's not a good thing you know we have to be striving for those ideals or the ideals are, are replaced with their opposites yeah which is why i think people again i, I keep stressing daniel because the mistake i see so many people making and my audience knows one thing that i definitely don't like is for people to start talking about a topic they have not read or researched themselves, which is why I keep saying for our audience to read the book. Because I think once you read the book, you, you, I mean, it then parallels so much of what we do here in the news. And I think that's what struck me was, as I was reading things, I was thinking, oh wait a minute, I have heard about, you know, the, you know, the criminal justice system almost being run like a business. So you know, it kind of brings those things to mind for you. Is that also part of what you hope that things that maybe we've heard about or maybe not really thought about, Daniel, um, that we will give it a second thought and then kind of think about, okay, is this really the way it should be? Is this really is this really justice and is this really doing something good for the community or is it doing more harm? Uh, yes, I, I very much hope that and, and you know I have to follow, like as as you indicate, you know, change starts with awareness right and and it's so crucial that when we're engaging in change that it's the right kind of change you know like we need we need to be um informed um there's uh you know a, a supposed einstein quote and you know it's on the internet so it must be true right you know like um <laughs> um it says something along the lines you know supposedly of you know if you had an hour to fix any problem he'd spend the first 55 minutes to understand the problem um and there's so much truth to that you know we need to understand and and that that takes some work and but it's such crucial work and we need to both understand and feel what's happening we need to bear witness you know when when our systems that are designed to serve us um, are failing um, so we understand how to work together to fix them so I think that's such a crucial part of, of the beginning process and look I mean your show I mean the, the discussions that you have to to increase awareness on a wide variety of issues, you know, unending is just such a crucial part of that process. So, so my hat's off to you. Well, I appreciate that. You mentioned something that I, I am glad you said because I am an optimist myself. You said that you're optimistic with a topic that is so serious and unfortunately so sad. What is it that, that gives you hope? What is it that keeps you optimistic, Daniel? Well, you know, if I'm, if I'm being completely honest about it, you know, I, I feel I have to have hope. You know, I, I'm, I'm not willing to give it up, um, you know, but I do feel hope, you know, sincerely um, as as well. There there are times, you know, I write about in the book, I, I it's it, it would be nice to give in to, you know, sort of the calmness of apathy, right, you know, like and, and, and not care, um, but I do care and I can't stop, you know, like, you know, you know, I've, I've been representing low-income children and adults for over 25 years 
Um, and um, the more individuals that I've encountered and had the honor um, to try to help, the more I feel driven. Um, it does wear on you. you know, like, you know, when um, it's, how do I describe it? Like when you're working with individuals who are experiencing trauma, you can feel part of that, right? You know, secondary trauma is real. And, and then the, the law clinic um, that I teach, I teach law students now, like who, who learn by representing low income clients. We talk about that and the importance of, of self care, but the trauma that, that low end income individuals are going through is just not ending. You know, the poverty, the, the trauma of poverty, foster children, foster children suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD at twice the level of veterans of war. You know, like, so it's, it's, you know, I, those who are able to um, overcome the barriers that they're confronted with, you know, and, and with poverty, it's barrier after barrier after barrier. They're heroic. You know, I, I think um, with, with certainty, you know, like if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't be able to make it out. Wow. Well, I will say this too. You end the book with that thought of, of hope, but also you do, after you've chronicled all of this, Daniel, you also put the the onus on us and others. And I want to actually read what you say. You say in the at the end of the book, for institutions and justice officials who do not right their own wrongs, additional investigations and monitoring by state oversight agencies and by the U.S. Department of Justice's Civil Rights Division will be necessary. Also, continued litigation will be necessary to challenge these practices. But then you say this, ultimately, there is no question that the revenue schemes detailed in this book violate constitutional and ethical requirements. The only question is whether we are ethically true in our analysis and response. And that is the part that then takes it off of you in some respect and puts it on us as the reader. So what is your hope then, Daniel, when people read Injustice, Inc., when they read um, the research, when they see these examples, what do you hope they do in the way of response and action? I, I, I appreciate that question, and, and I'm glad you um, pointed out that language um, because it's both. You know, like I, I do think, you know, we need to be, um, pushing for the um, the agencies, the actors, you know, for litigation, for for oversight investigation by the Department of Justice, um, for others, right, you know, to 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 try to work better towards righting these wrongs. But we also need to look at ourselves, and and I start with that with you know those of us in the justice systems, because all of us, you know, I'm an attorney, you know, in addition to being a law professor, and and as as an attorney, you're an officer of the court. Everybody working within the court systems has ethical obligations to the legal system in which they work, you know, and I, I think that comes down to like if, if you're an individual judge, an individual probation officer, um, policing officer, even if you individually are trying your best, right, to be ethically true, if you're working within a system that's ethically compromised, constitutionally compromised, right, then you are by connection with that system also operating within that ethically and constitutionally compromised system. And so you have that, you have an obligation and you can't be, you know, kind of content in your own individual actions. And when we think of all of us, you know, beyond those in the justice system, I hope we feel connectivity, right? You know, as you indicated, and we feel some, not just responsibility, but drive, you know, because, you know, also like I could say selfishly, even if it feels good to help, right? You know, right. like when, when, 
you notice something is wrong and you can take some action to try to increase that awareness, you know, call your elected officials. So crucial for people to have that voice um, at the local level, you know, call your county elected officials. You may need to educate them, you know, on many of these mechanisms. Call your state level elected officials, call your federal elected officials, right? You know, talk to members of the press, you know, like the, the, the power of the press is immense to help increase um, the voice of the vulnerable. Um, so it's, it's, there's so many ways at which we can just simply be more engaged, right? And as we're in this time period, this era where there's less of that, where we seem to be less and less humanly engaged, if you can find ways to do that, you know, it will both be immensely helpful and I think you'll find joy in that process of, of helping others. Such a great point and such a great conversation, Daniel. So glad to have you on. Again, everyone, Daniel L. Hatcher has been our guest. Injustice, Inc. is the book, How America's Justice System Commodifies Children and the Poor. It is available through our friends at Amazon.com. As I mentioned, already an Amazon bestseller, a number one new release there. You also can order it from your favorite local bookstore if they don't have it. I know they'd be more than happy to get it for you. And, Daniel, how can our audience stay connected with you? A variety of ways. You can certainly just you can if you lose the information, you can Google me anytime or on Yahoo. You know, name your search engine, um, and um, you can find my name and my. I have a faculty webpage that has my email and, and contact information there. Um, my email, I can tell you, like if people um, have firsthand experience with this, and and you're looking for ways, and you want to brainstorm about how you might become involved or who you might collaborate with. Um, my email is dhatcher, D-H-A-T-C-H-E-R, at U-B-A-L-T dot E-D-U. And, again, that's on my faculty website as well. Um, and, um, you know, the book is available um, anywhere online. You can find it, um, hopefully in bookstores um, as well. And, you know, you can on the University of California Press um, site for the book. They have a um, – um, an option there where you can encourage your local libraries to get it. I'm a, a fan of our public libraries, so, so I think that's a wonderful option as well. Awesome. Well, Daniel, so glad you're keeping this conversation going. It is definitely timely and looking forward to our next conversation together. Thank you. I, I'd love to have further conversations. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you for all you do. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. Definitely want to thank our friend Javier Perez, uh, Paige Turner Publicity, for setting up this chat with us for today. And thank all of you, our audience, for tuning in, both on the radio side here in Mississippi and online around the world, for tuning into this episode of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webster. As always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care.